Hey, what's going on? This is the Leafs Convo. Norm along with Mike. It is Sunday, March 5th, 2023. The NHL trade deadline has come and gone. The Leafs made their adjustments, made their acquisitions, did their trades. They are done their dealing. And the beat goes on. Two and two on their Western road swing. Uh, started with the win in Seattle. And last night, geez, Kerplunk in Vancouver against you know, just a disgraceful organization, a terrible team, one, one into the third, Mike, and then they gave up not one, but two shorthanded goals to lose four, one to the Canucks, Michael Piagello, the Leafs have made their changes and they're all in, but Mm -hmm. what we're seeing right now reminds us of the Maple Leafs uh, going back uh, weeks, months, seasons. How leafy. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Norm. Um, yeah, the game last night uh, had a lot to be desired. Um, typical, as typical of this team, you know that they've lost to bottom dwellers. It's you know, you, 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 it, you rattle them off like songs: San Jose, uh, uh, Anaheim, Montreal, Chicago, Columbus. It's like yeah, it just goes on and on, you know. And you know, Sheldon Keefe after the game said. Well, you know, we dominated the first period, and I think they had like 18 shots. It was like 18 to 3 or something like that, and they couldn't beat Thatcher Demko. And Thatcher Demko in the past has really played well against them. And then uh, they get a goal, and uh, then the Leafs are sort of behind the eight ball, and you see a bunch of pushback from Vancouver physically and and offensively. And uh, honestly, I think the most encouraging thing – about last night's game was the fact that Matt Murray was really good. You know, yep. after being out for I think six weeks with the ankle injury, he makes this incredible save on a two-on-zero, another save on a breakaway, kept them in right. the game, and then you know, this is the, the Leafs' vaunted power play, giving up three shorthanded goals. One in Calgary, two in Vancouver, and last night, two goals in 44 seconds to essentially give away the game to a team that they should beat in, you know, in a, in a town where uh, I, I just love, you know, the love that the Maple Leafs uh, generate, uh, especially in Western Canada, but it, throughout the league where the organ player in Vancouver is Leafs suck, and, they, and, they, and that's that's the uh, and they and they're they're constantly doing it. Um, I guess that you know that's that's their Stanley Cup because you know they're not going to make the playoffs, so uh, they they can enjoy their uh, CBD oil and their pot and in, uh, in, in Vancouver and uh, and enjoy uh, watching other teams play hockey uh, in April and May and June. Mister Political Michael Piagella from Chicktawaga, New York. I'm Norm OG's Converse. Thank you so much for being here. Let me know how this feed looks. We've made a couple of adjustments, and I'm interested in getting your feedback. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, Ryan O'Reilly injury. Jeez, <laughs> that sucks. Um, yeah. If he's back the playoffs, that's great. But I'd like to see him play between now and the playoffs. What 19 games to go? So uh, we'll we'll get into that in just a little bit. But um, you know, funny thing about Matt Murray though, Mike is it's 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 great that he's making spectacular saves, but I really don't want him to have to. Well, right? yeah, I mean, and, and that that's that that's the the thing that I I take from the game that's discouraging is they really, in a sense, hung him out to dry. You you would think that you'd put together a really good defensive effort for a goaltender who'd been out for six weeks, but it's almost like they 
you have to factor in it was the third game in four nights. I get that. But it was the worst team of the three teams that you played in the third game in four nights. And you had, you know, purportedly the guy who was your 1A or 1B in goal. And really the defensive effort from the team was lacking. Um, I do think that this uh, – and I understand why Sheldon Keefe is doing it. The last two games, they're playing 11 forwards and seven defensemen. And the reason that they're doing it is because they want to get Eric Gustafson and they want to get Luke Shen into the lineup. And Eric Gustafson is a extra piece. He's a luxury. He's somebody who I thought that they were going to trade uh, before the deadline to recoup some draft capital. And the, the, what they're doing the last couple games is the reason why. Because now they have an unmanageable nine defensemen, and none of them they can send, send to uh, the Marlies uh, to clear a space. So it, you know, now they have, to, they have three defensemen. when they play six, they have three defensemen who are not going to play. So now they're going with 11 and seven. And by doing that, you're mixing up your forward lines. And I I mean, I don't think that's something that they're going to continue to do. I think eventually they'll go back to 12, six, but I think the reason that they're doing it is because they want to get these new players that have been put into the lineup. They want to get them some work and maybe evaluate them, but I don't think it works. And I think play six defensemen, and there are certain ones that have to sit. And the one who wears number three should be the one, one of the ones who should sit. Oh, geez, Converse. What are you thinking about this? Mike, can Eric Gustafson quarterback a power play? David Haina, the Leafs played so bad yesterday. For the love of God, take Riley off the power play. He is useless back there. Did pick up an assist on the John Tavares goal. But yeah. uh, let's, let's make no mistake about it. And I think we're uh, the the consensus is widespread and 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 nearly unanimous. This has not been Morgan Riley's best season. Not to pick no. on him, but no, it, this, it, he's not really doing much to to show that he's improving. May he might be incrementally. He might be, um, you know, from the management's perspective, from the coaching staff's perspective, but from what fans are seeing, they're not exactly pleased. It hasn't been the best season for him. You know, we can in looking back on his on his career with this season in mind. I'm sure we can give him a mulligan. But in these moments right now, uh, he's part of that core five, core four plus one, core five. I mean, he's got to find a way to step up and and you know really be integral into this team's success. It, it hasn't been the best year for him, but I, I I just and you know he was minus three last night. Um, but he was minus three because they gave up two shorthanded goals on the power play. Um, and, you know, and that's, you know, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's the main reason. And then I think he was, I think the other goal that he was on the ice for was the four was the goal that made it four one. And at that point they're just pressing to try to get back in the game. So I'm not making excuses for him, but I don't think that the defensive problem is Morgan Riley. I think the problem is that you've got, a core group right now, and last night was another indication. Uh, you know, Austin Matthews took a shot off of off of his knee. He was out for the first part of the second period, and then was laboring around the rest of the game. Um, I know that you know people people are complaining about Riley and that he's not engaged, that he's not. You know, he he came back from the knee injury, and he, I think he was struggling mm-hmm. a little bit after that. I don't I don't see any big problem with him. Um, uh, lately, but the thing is, is that you can't put him 
with Justin Hall. You have to put him with TJ Brody. You have to allow Riley to do what Riley does, which is jump into the offensive attack. And Brody is like a safety net. But if you have Justin Mike, if we've got this figured out, why doesn't the fucking head coach do the same thing? Like what, because what the, is the Because the head coach likes Justin Hall and believes in Justin Hall. And I, I don't understand that. I like if if in the, when the playoffs roll around, if Morgan Riley is paired with Timothy Lilligren or paired with uh, TJ Brody, then I think he'll be, you know, you could say, well, he's a number one defenseman. He should be able to play with anybody. He's a good, really good number two. He's not a number one. A number one is Victor Hedman. A number one is Roman. There's the problem. He's the number one on the Leafs, but right. in your eyes, he's a really good number two. Right. So and that will definitely leave something to be desired. And that number two to number one, the disparity there, that's that's a, there's a greater disparity there than just, you know, uh, one number. Like there's a, there's a lot more to going into being a quarterbacking number one bonafide stalwart to a good, useful number two, which Morgan Riley would uh, – you know, weighed against uh, versus the rest of the league's top guys on the Leafs, he's number one, but he's not a number one kind of guy, and there's your problem. Yeah, and I mean, like I'm seeing things in the chat, like Riley's really a number three, or he's a number six on Boston. I mean, that you know, this is the this is the uh, Leaf fan hatred that is just like you know destroying, uh, just destroying their own. And I, I okay, I think Riley is a good number two. I don't think you know, he's not a number one. He's an average number one. Um, and you can tell that this is something that the Leafs recognize in terms of they need, needing to have uh, X, you know, on defense that more depth on defense. And the fact that uh, Elliot Friedman reported last night that they were, they were in, they were inquiring about Matthias Ekholm and even Eric Carlson before the deadline. Now, Neither one worked because I'm, I'm assuming the package that uh, the Oilers gave for Ekholm or, you know, needing to retain salary on Carlson um, that they wouldn't do for the Oilers is the same reason the Leafs couldn't be interested. But there is a recognition there that um, there needed to be an upgrade on the blue line. And I think Jake McCabe at $2 million is a good ad. I still am a little worried about his durability. Um uh, but and Luke Shen, you could see, you know, him being a hitter, but he's a guy whose minutes are going to be have to be managed. And that, you know, that's that's the whole thing. It's like you don't have you've got a really good number two. A Brody is a is a solid 20 plus minute a night defenseman. They're going to use McCabe in a top four role. And then really it's going to be sort of hit or miss. It's going to be piecing together the rest of the blue line going in the playoffs against a team like Tampa Bay, who's extremely deep and extremely talented. And I think the one thing I carried from the game last night that was scary, at least there was a little bit of pushback against a team like Vancouver who were worked up in a lather. Um, you had a couple instances where your team captain, where John Tavares gets labeled head high um, by a couple of the uh, of uh, by Tyler Myers, and I can't remember who the second hit was. I think it was Dakota Joshua, former Leaf draft pick, and Jake McCabe jumped in against Myers and got his clock clean, but he jumped in and and, and responded. But the whole point is is that there's nobody to discourage a team from doing that to your star players. And, you know, that's why 
you know, maybe getting somebody like a Austin Watson at the deadline would have been a good idea. They didn't do that. So now it's you, you have pushback. You what have these trades for. Sorry, Mike. And again, what were all of these trades for? Here, here we are, s- s- still not content. I mean, still complaining after all of these guys coming in three defensemen, three forwards. What was it all worth, Mike, if we're still here and we still look at this team and say, holy shit, there's still not enough pushback. Well, still not an ace there defenseman. Is, there is Ma- complaining to his best ability. Where, where are we? That's the that's the thing. All of these changes. And has anything really changed? Well, the, the difference is, is that now there is some pushback, whereas before the deadline and before the deals were made, the pushback was Michael Bunting. It's like you, you, you know, McCabe and Shen and a few other and uh, uh, Chari. You know, there's there's some hitters and there's some there's some pushback there. So I do think that that you know that they're they are a markedly better team after acquiring the six players that they did. But um, they didn't they didn't go a step further, and I think they needed to. You know, whether it works or not, I mean, we we'll, we will see. All I, all I can say is like defensively um sandpaper wise physically they're better after the deals that they made but they expended a lot of draft capital uh in in getting that and some of it's permanent and some of it's going to last longer than a year because mccabe's got two years and laughter he's got a year and i think there's a good chance they re-sign o'reilly but i I have to you know i have to pat myself on the back because i've been i said it for three or four months this team was not going to trade Alex Kerfoot and Elliot Friedman reported that the reason that they tra- they made the deal with St. Louis and then Minnesota to share O'Reilly's salary was specifically to keep Kerfoot. Um, Ker- now Kerfoot could move to the middle if O'Reilly's out for a few weeks, or they move up uh, Achari or whatever, or they call up Pontus Holmberg. It gives it they have flexibility, but. They were never going to trade Alex Kerfoot. He's too important to the special teams on this team and to be able to play wing and center. They were never going to do it. And people wanted people wanted them to trade him, wanted him to trade Engvall, wanted him to trade Hall. You know, okay, it's just like, you know, those, one, those players individually are not the problems of this team. What is going to be a problem, and we saw it, we've seen it repeatedly over and over and over with this team throughout the year, is when the core group doesn't show up, this team doesn't win. And last night, in a third game in four nights, the core group didn't show up. So John Cooper benched his stars, and we, we don't want to keep up with the Tampa Joneses, and I get a lot of that. Well, Tampa lost. Well, Tampa this, Tampa that. Tampa doesn't have to ex- explain itself in this moment. Tampa's explained itself through winning championships and on until that whole organization unravels you still have to give them the benefit of the doubt but john cooper sent a message to his big players and you know again he's he's coaching he made a decision he's got the pedigree they understand what they need to do uh i guess sheldon keith was asked whether he would you know pull off a, a move like that with his guys to send a message and he scoffed at it yeah, well, I, I'm okay. I'm calling bullshit on John Co- what John Cooper did because they played the Sabers with Brian Elliott, their backup goal, goalie in goal. They were losing four to one going into the third period. They weren't going to win that game, so mm-hmm. they were playing a second of back to back today against Carolina. 
It was more for load management than it was for punishment. He can say anything he want in the post game. I don't think it was because he was punishing his three best forwards. I think it was the fact that they were going to be playing a game today and he wanted them rested for the second game so they could have a chance to win against Carolina with Vasilevsky in goal. You know, saying that all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, I'm not getting anything out of Stamkos and Point and Kucherov. Oh, I'm going to punish them for sitting them in the third period. It's bull crap. And, and you know, Again, I, I, you know, Sheldon Keefe doesn't have that luxury. John Cooper's won two Stanley Cups. Sheldon Keefe hasn't won a round. He can't lose. He can't risk losing that room and benching Austin Matthews or benching Mitch Marner or benching William Nylander. He's done that for a shift. That one, Mike, from Johnny Keefe can't criticize these guys. Too worried about AM leaving. No, I don't think he's worried about Austin Matthews leaving because I think if Kyle Dubas loses his job, Sheldon Keefe loses his job. He knows that he can't he can't lose those core guys. He you know they they have no chance to win if he loses them. But yes, if he gets confrontational and says, "Guys, you're six years into this thing. Where are you?" It's up that that that's too much for him to do. Like these it's, these players are too soft that they can't whoa. confront their own problems and their own deficiencies and their we, own lack. Of, of, of achievement we don't know what they say in the locker room we just know what they say say to the media and coming out in the media especially in toronto and do and saying what john cooper said about his players and again you know somebody in the in the chat was like uh you know did you see what john cooper said yeah i saw what john cooper said i saw it it doesn't matter if he talked to his players after the game and said you know that's the thing you don't know what sheldon keith is saying in the locker room but he's mm. going to say what he says in the media because right. if he says something critical uh, it, it, to the Toronto media about his players, he loses the room. John Cooper, right. John Cooper can say anything he wants to the Tampa Bay media, all three reporters that are there. So, I mean, uh, they're dirt, different circumstances. Three, report, three reporters turns out to be three, three million people. That Once that information is uploaded, Everybody gets their hands on it. Never mind the like. Let's not let's not pat ourselves on the back for being Toronto media or covering the Maple Leafs. No, the Leafs are no more than anybody else, Mike. And you know that. They're different circumstances, and they're they're two organizations in different places. It's the the Ta Tampa Bay Lightning have won two Stanley Cups and finished, in, and we're in a Stanley Cup final. Okay, so and Cooper is is arguably the best coach in the league. So he's got the gravitas to be able to do right. that. Sheldon, Sheldon with Keefe, that, right? Yeah, Sheldon Keefe is widely knowledge as a very good head coach, but he hasn't won anything, and I think he—it's um, one of those situations where you win more friends with honey than with vinegar, and that's—I don't think him coming out and tearing down his his team, uh, specific players like Cooper right. did, is is a benefit. Now. Um, Keith after the Edmonton game on Friday or on Thursday, excuse or no Wednesday, excuse me, Wednesday. Um, he was like, they were disinterested and they, you know, basically they had their head up their ass. And that was the truth. He didn't specify one player. He said the, the group. Now we know, you know, I know everybody in the chat knows if do, if, if Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Neander and Riley don't show mm -hmm. up against Tampa, they're going to lose. Right. No matter what they did in terms of adding support players, secondary, tertiary, tertiary players, if those guys don't show up, 
they're going to lose. And when Kyle Dubas is no longer the general manager at this year, after this year, if they lose in the first round, then it's going to be up to the next general manager to decide which one of the core group gets traded because they, they, there is going to be a change uh, in that core group if they if they prove that they can cannot win seven years in a row. You know, I think Mike that Kyle Dubas has taken a lot of the heat that was directed at the entire organization mm -hmm. off himself. He's done what he can with what he has. Yes, they expended draft capital, but they brought some back. And if you think you're a contender and you're about to make a move and you've been trying to take moves over the last several years and to no avail, you you have to use draft capital. Okay, this isn't just about uh, you know signing your own guys. They go away, you replenish. Like that's that's Tampa Bay race, right? Um, if you're going to go uh, to a next to another level, you're going to have to do a combination of things to make yourself better. But Kyle Dubas has has done what he can with what the resources at his disposal to make the surrounding group um, who are there to uh, you know uh, help accelerate the process, but also complement. I mean, uh, more deeply complement the core five. Right. He said, I've done my part, guys. Here you go. It's not perfect, but you guys are among the best core group of players that, you know, any team uh, has in this league. So here is here are your reinforcements. Have at it. These dudes owe it to Kyle Dubas to step their games up because, you know, we've been going on over the last several years. Is it the core group or is it the support system? Maybe it's a bit of both, but that support system has been strengthened to a really, really high degree over the last uh, several weeks. So it's up to the core five now to, to lead the way. Their general manager's done what he can. Sure, the head coach is under scrutiny, and it's, things are getting, you know, he's, he's, it's, it's not an easy process for him because when he looks like he's done something right, someone will find something to criticize him for. When he's done something wrong, bam, that's the reason why he's a shitty head coach and should be back in the AHL. The general manager's done what he can. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's really just up to the players to, to you know, not necessarily thank him, but reward him with the play that they um, would like to produce and had wanted to produce pending getting the support. Well, now it's here, guys, 19 games to go. You're going to have to put uh, Vancouver in the rearview mirror and get at it. But the general manager's done what he can, and I don't have a lot of criticism for Kyle Dubas any longer. It's yeah. up to the rest of the group, and depending on how far they go, we can digest what's happened and, and prognosticate what's going to happen next. But well, Kyle Dubas has done his part, that, and that's just the way I, I see it. Well, just think of it this way, because, um, you know, contending teams like Tampa and Boston – and other teams out there expended a lot of draft capital to improve their chances uh, in the short term. Boston gets Bertuzzi and Orloff and Hathaway and Tampa Bay gets right. Janot. You know, so uh, what Kyle Dubas did um, was not as severe as them and I think improved his team almost as much. Um, right. But when he's operated without draft capital – Gee, uh, let's see, 2021, who is their pick in the second round? Oh, yeah, it's Matthew Nyes. Uh, and then they had a pick in the fifth round, and they took Ty Voigt. Ty Voigt was, for most of the year, leading the Ontario Hockey League in scoring. So it's better to have draft capital, and they did recoup a first-round pick. 
in the deal for Rasmus Sandin, which I know that you pointed out before we started recording that Rasmus Sandin had three assists in his first game. It was against San Jose. So talk, talk, talk to me when it's a, when it's an NHL team and not an AHL team, but I like <laughs> Rasmus Sandin and I think Rasmus Sandin is going to have a really good NHL career. And in, um, in Washington, I don't know whether he's going to be a power play quarterback. He got almost three minutes in power play ice time. I think Carlson's still hurt, so that's the reason. You know, when John Carlson's healthy, you know, he's probably not going to be the power play quarterback, but he's a good player, and you have to give up something to get something. And once they, um, once they made a, um, once they made a deal to get McCabe, then they, you knew that they were going to trade somebody out. Um, you have to say the last couple games they were without Timothy Lilligren, and he's going to be one of their top four guys in the playoffs. So their defense even though they're playing seven defenders, which I don't think works, uh, was playing a little shorthanded. Uh, you know, right now, like, people are complaining about Riley, and Riley's coming off a knee injury, and he's not played great, but he's not played badly. People are complaining about Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews took a shot off the knee last night. I don't know if it was the same knee that was injured. Um, he has, you know, he's on pace for 40 goals. I think mean, 38. Um, that's not bad, folks. It's not 60. It's not what Connor McDavid is doing, but it's like I, I just love the the critique of of and hey, I was one for many a years, Norm, when we were on the hook, and I was you know I was you know a fan becoming into turning into a member of the media, and I was critical of the of the franchise and the way and the way players played. Okay, mm. Austin Matthews is one of the best two or three forwards in the league. Right. And this fan base will lose their crap if he leaves via free agency in two years. I don't think he's going to, but you can complain. It's easy to complain about the guys that are there, and then you'll complain more when they're not there. And that's, you know, is he having a great year? Is he having a year as good as he did last year? No. I I think that's all erased if he shows up in the playoffs and scores a bunch of key goals. And that's, we'll see. We'll see. OG's Converts, make sure to like the content. Thanks so much to all the new subscribers. Stick around with us. We have plenty of shows to come between now and the beginning of the playoffs. And what we're keeping our fingers crossed will be a run beyond the first round, even though we do sound like we're poo-pooing on the Maple Leafs and consistently do so. However, we really don't have, um, you know, a, a lot to to use as ammunition to support our case that the Leafs are going to to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Until they do, we're going to be skeptical, but obviously, um, you know, quietly optimistic. Fans might love, love individual performances. That's why Connor McDavid is who he is. I mean, he's amazing, but we, we pedestalize him. Austin Matthews with the... Yeah, what's he ever won? He's been, to, he's been to one conference final his entire career. What has he ever won? What I'm what I'm telling you though is that today fans love the love the individual aspect of a player. That's you know that's why that's why you have all of Nylanders, You know we're all Nylander fans, but guys who are like completely devoted to him, who want to look like him and and you know stalk him and and you know be a you know be a part of his life, who will say, well, Nylander was great against the Habs. Because you know he put up the points and stuff. Yeah, that's that's good. But you know, guess what? He didn't play beyond the first round. So it's 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 about the team mosaic being successful. So with Austin Matthews, he's 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 spoiled. So many 
fans for so long. And now that statistically this year does not uh, measure up to, to what he's produced in the past, you're going to have people say he's disinterested or he wants to go to Arizona. Um, there's a lingering injury. He's just not playing well. Well, you know, um, you do the best with with what you you have at your disposal in terms of you know, health and in terms of you know just ability in that moment. And it it it's better than most, even if it's not as good as what you've done in the past. But fans really like the the individual performances and efforts of 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 players. And what we're getting at, and what I'd like to see, is all of these guys firing on the you know on all cylinders. You know, in, in tandem, in unison, whether guys are getting a ton of points or not, all, you know, fighting the good fight for the same cause. And that's to make the, this Leafs team fully efficient, uh, dependent on one another. And I uh, like, you know, develop this idea uh, and this, this um, you know, this momentum of a complete uh, full powered freight train rolling into the playoffs ready to confront anything that comes at it and take it down. I don't really care if Matthews is scoring as many goals as he did in the past. I'd like to see him D up between now and the rest of the season, as well as the entire team and play a more defensive uh, type of hockey game. So fuck his goals. I just rather see a guy who's going to be more attentive um, to the finer points of the game, but he can't be the only one, Mike. And again, this is the dichotomy. It's like, is it the core five or is it the support group? It's 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 both. It's both. We probably wrap up here, Mike. You maybe give us an update on the uh, O'Reilly injury and where you think this is going to go. I mean, that kind of sucks because I like to see uh, him playing out there. And then any last points, we'll get out of here. Well, um, Ryan O'Reilly took a shot off of his hand uh, early in the game yesterday. Did not come back. if you watch the replay, you know, the shot goes off of his, I think it was his right hand and he, uh, no, it was his left hand. He, um, and he, uh, he gripped the stick, but, um, he didn't come back into the game. Now I'm thinking worst case scenario here. And if it's best case scenario, then that's, that's great. Then then it's, you know, a bruise or something like that, or a bone bruise or something like that. And he might be out a week or two. If it's a broken finger, um, a broken index finger or a broken metacarpal, which is the, the bones in, in, you know, deep in your hand. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi had the same injury in Detroit. Uh, actually he had the same, he had, on, I think on one hand with one instance and another hand in the other instance, and he was out around five weeks for both. We're six weeks away from the playoffs. So if it's a worst case scenario, I think O'Reilly will be back and will be fully healthy. Now, um, you know, conditioning wise, you can still keep up your conditioning. If, you know, if it's a hand injury, you can skate, you can be on the bike and things of that nature. So I'm not worried about that. I don't foresee it being anything longer than that that would extend into the playoffs. Um, and I don't, I don't see it being debilitating like Felino's injury a couple of years ago. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, every Leaf fan is going to say, "Gee, we trade for this nice new shiny toy, and we don't get to see it." Let's just say it's yeah. And and I'm not a doctor. I'm pl- just playing one on a podcast. Um, but I'm just saying I look. Okay, at- Oh no, he was yeah. a corner. Never mind. He was a corner. I just look. I just look at. We may need you. We may need you, Quincy. In, yes. in a, about six weeks. I just look at similar potential, similar injuries and the time span. So, you know, if they have to put a pin in it and whatever, you know, it's going to take time to heal. But 
Usually a hand injury is no longer than six weeks. Uh, the Matthews thing, I mean, we'll see if he plays in New Jersey on Tuesday. You know, he took a shot off the knee. Uh, he did come back, but he did seem to be labored uh, during the game. So, and, and you have to say, after the deadline, there is usually a lull. It's sort of the dog days. You know, we, we know with Major League Baseball, there's the dog days of the, of the season are in August after the mm-hmm. trade deadline. And, you know, Tampa Bay is 3-4-3 three, and three in their last 10 games. The Leafs are 6-4. and four. So they're both sort of going through that. But the, right. where the difference here is, Norm, is that when April 17th rolls around, I have every confidence that Stamkos and Point and Kucherov and Perry and all those guys and Hedman and Vasilevsky will turn it on. Not in every game, but will turn it on because Vasilevsky was not good early in the series against Toronto, and there were opportunities to beat to beat them, and they didn't do it. But I have confidence that that team will show up at that time. This team, I don't know. I think that you have players that will show up. But the, whether everybody shows up or the key players show up, that's to be determined. See, <laughs> we're so excited. Uh, the days leading up to the trade deadline, everything that Kyle Dubas did, uh, Ryan O'Reilly with the hat trick in Buffalo. Um, we know that the team pound for pound on paper is is um, among the top 10 in the league if not pushing top five and sometimes top three uh on on given nights but og's converts uh how how can you blame us for feeling uh dejected after what we witnessed last night against vancouver 4-1 loss two shorthanded goals guys there then not there forget the injuries the 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 leafs who fancy themselves contenders should just put these teams away like you know it's well you know tampa lost to a shitty team i forget them right look at what boston's doing mike and i've put some posts about the bruins in the community youtube.com slash leaves combo slash community i mean how can you not be you know frightened and uh uh revere what uh frightened by and revere what the boston bruins are doing right now mike they really are the litmus test you know, 10 straight wins, just clobbering teams. They play like, again, their hair's on fire, but they have commitment and there's a purpose to, to what's going on. Whereas the Leafs leave a lot to be desired uh, it, when, you know, push comes to shove. So, I mean, we are Leaf fans. We have to love our team. We have to support what we've got and we keep our, our fingers crossed and be quietly optimistic. And when that optimistic starts to increase, what happens? It's it's uh, kind of uh, chopped at the knees by a shitty loss to a shitty team. Guys, get on a damn run. Whether O'Reilly's injured, whether Matthews is injured, there's enough hands on deck, Mike, for this team to dominate more nights than not. And on the nights they don't win, still put in a good fucking effort to make us believe that where we're going uh, will will uh, you know will will there will be a benefit at the end of the line. And the uh, the the big the big competition to come will bear fruit because these guys are prepared to to get the job done. Last word to you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that I agree with everything that you just said, but the effort has to be there at the right time. They could go on a tear right now, win seventeen games in a row, and it would be meaningless and 
because game one of the playoffs is when they need to be where they need to be. Momentum's so, a thing. Momentum's a thing, and the Leafs have not sure. been able to develop any sustained real momentum. And there's still 19 games to play. There's still time, but we haven't seen any indication they're going to be no. able to get on crazy run and just, like I said, barrel freight train into the playoffs. The only the only team I can remember in recent memory that built momentum in, in the second half of the regular season and then carried that through into the playoffs was the 93 team. They were, you know, I think they had like less than 10 losses in the second half of the season and then beat Detroit and then beat St. Louis and then went to game seven against Los Angeles. So that team did it. But this team and that team are different. And, uh, you know, and I think the league is different. So not to say that you can lose 17 in a row and then all of a sudden click your fingers and there, there it goes. But I do think, you know, they've got to get their house in order. They've got to, you know, get their pairings in order and their lines in order and stay healthy. And But it, it, it needs to be in line and, and, and engaged in the middle of April when, it, yeah. when time comes. And will that happen? We'll, we will see. So uh, into New Jersey, weird way to finish up a, a Western road swing in in New Jersey on Tuesday. But it's it's going to be tough. There's a ton of tough games to come, and you know um, the the way it usually works out is the Leafs play better against the tougher teams and just succumb to to the crap. So um, I guess just m- more of the same. Mike, I'm going to throw this out at you. Kyle Dubas doesn't get fired. He doesn't get fired because he's he's showing the organization that hey he's willing to throw out his playbook and try to do what it takes to augment a group that should be better and help it win. So he, he like this, these are, these are some, um, you know, real, uh, you know, pivotal, um, formative, uh, moments in what we all expect will be a lengthy uh, career as a general manager in the league. Sheldon Keefe, will get gas- if this team doesn't do anything, the Sheldon Keefe will get gassed and Kyle Dubas will begin dismantling, um, you know, the, the core, the core four uh, forwards. That's what I'm, that's what I'm calling. Would I like to see that happen? No, but that's what I think is going to happen. So this idea that Kyle Dubas is just going to get juiced. I think he's proven to the brass that, you know, he's ready to make some adjustments and who the hell else are you going to bring in? I mean, you, right. And again, that's down the line. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just throwing that out there. I think he's done enough to show that like, he's again, really willing to deviate from the plan and get creative. It's not like he's hamstrung the organization or anything like that. It's up to the coach to find a way to get these guys plugged into the right positions, uh, get them working and motivated. And at the end of the day, it's up to the core five uh, with the focus on the core four forwards to, to lead the way. The rest of the guys were brought on to compliment, uh, you know, not to, not to grab this, team by the collective throat and pull it through they were here to help rust the the top guys uh and and help get this team to where it needs to be and that's the second round of the playoffs so og's converse thanks so much for being here like the content subscribe to the channel um the the podcast version of the show will be up here in the next 24 hours uh reach out to us in the community portion of the youtube channel any comments concerns anything you want to bring up to us let us know Mike and I are around. We'll go back to our weekly shows, um, but if something comes up that uh, is a cause for concern and that Mike and I really have to collab over, you know that uh, we will send out a message and let you know to join along. Michael, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday, and I'm looking forward to doing it again soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Norm.